Hey everybody, welcome to the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. This is your host, Dave Stovall. I'm glad to be back. I had to take a break on the last episode and let Matthew fill in for me because me and my family were sick yet again through the winter break. I guess when you have little kids, they're just like little Petri dishes, just, you know, swirling in all kinds of germs and just passing them around to mom and dad. It's great. I love being a dad. (laughs) Anyways, in this episode, we've got Lori Arnold. She's the author of the book, Heads Up Mom, and she shares with us the importance of intentionality and building relationships and seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit and navigating those challenging conversations. She concludes with a clear call to action for all of us to practice intentional discipleship and to trust the sometimes long process of growth. If you spend any time pouring into somebody, you know what that means and what that feels like. Sometimes we just got to wait for the Holy Spirit to do the work. Let's let Lori lift us up today in this episode. Enjoy. I'm truly grateful to have been at this church for the past seven years, to be in a body that truly lives this out, where we are in the trenches together. We've grown together through the pain. We've grown together, and I'm very grateful for that. On April 24th, 2022, just last year, one of the scariest things that has ever happened to me happened right here in this room. I was leading worship, standing about right here in the same spot, when all of a sudden, from the corner of my eye, I saw my friend and bass player, Dave, stumble towards the side of the stage. It was during our second church service that day. As I said, we were singing, we were worshiping, and my stomach just sank because the next thing that happened, Dave fell off the side of the stage and hit his head. My husband, Kevin, was running sound in the booth back there, and he had a very different perspective than the one that we did because we were up here on this platform so he could see things that we could not. He saw Dave's face. He saw it change. He saw and knew that something was wrong. So he tried to beeline it and make it to the front of the room, but it was too late by the time he got there and Dave had already fallen. He had previously let me know, Dave, had previously let me know that he had um, post-traumatic epilepsy from a high school baseball accident. And he told me about these seizures that he would have. And the way that he explained them to me was that the seizures were very small and they'd often go unnoticed. So he said that maybe he'd have one and maybe he would stop playing for just a few seconds and then he'd be able to hop right back in. Well, that is not what happened that day. It was far from the expected and it was not at all what I had been told. It was very different. In that moment, as my friend laid right there on the ground, I had to make a quick decision. And I asked the Lord, what do I do? Because I knew that the decision that I made could possibly change the atmosphere of this room. The answer, pray. So I prayed over Dave and over our congregation. And after I did, the room was quiet. I don't remember much that happened during that moment, but I do remember my husband and the look of pain and concern and sadness in his eyes as he cried and walked away, 
because he couldn't get to Dave fast enough when he fell. I remember Karen, Dave's wife, sitting at his head saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. Kevin and I waited until the paramedics came and gave the all clear. And then Dave and Karen drove away. My heart broke for him. You see, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If I had favorites, if I had favorites, he would be one of them. Dave and his friend Jamie are two of my most favorite people because they are from my favorite place, Hawaii. And so the moment that I met them, I instantly fell in love with them and their families instantly because I like to consider myself like an honorary Hawaiian, okay? So it's very important to me. But anyway, I, I kind of see them as like my people. So while I had to be intentional in that frightful moment that happened in this room on that day, I want to tell you about the intentionality in the life that is lived off of the platform, because after all, I believe that is what matters the most. Those who know me well, and if you heard earlier, you know that I am a foodie. If you've never heard of that term before, it just means that I love to eat food, like all of it, okay? Um, I plan most of my life's experiences around food. So today, as we talk together, all of the examples that I'm going to give, I'm going to call them key ingredients, okay, to intentionality in relationships. While I know that these are not the only required ingredients, I know that I know that I know they're absolutely necessary. The first ingredient is time and proximity. After Dave and Karen got settled in back at home, Kevin and I decided that we wanted to bless the family with a meal, just take something off of their plate. So we ordered Chick-fil-A, because who doesn't love the Lord's chicken? And I took it over to their house. And I remember talking with their son, Dylan. Well, I was talking. He was just kind of hiding behind his father's leg, as he did. But I talked to him, and he was pretty, he didn't, he wasn't so sure of me. He didn't know me yet. Oh, by the way, I have to tell you this. So Dave and Karen felt that they needed, especially Dave, he felt that he needed to repay the favor with us bringing them the Chick-fil-A. Um, so... They, they have care packages that their family sends from Hawaii, and they often bring them over to us and our house, and it's just one of the many bonuses of being friends with them. It's awesome. So I just wanted to share that with you because it really excites me. But anyway, um, as I was talking with their son Dylan that day, he didn't know me. I loved him already because, we you know, we're Hawaiian, but he, he was hiding, and he was just unsure of who I was. Well, Dave like his son Dylan, when we first met, he didn't know me either. Our relationship took time and proximity. The relationship that I have with others, particularly with those on the worship team, have gotten where they are today because of the time that we spend together. When Dave had his accident on that Sunday morning, I didn't see bass player Dave. I saw friend Dave, and that's why it hurt so bad. All of us had spent so much time together, so we grew to care for one another. We grew to call one another friend. So right now, I want to talk to the leaders for a second. As leaders, we often have a vision 
or a desire to have unity in our teams, but we are not creating the spaces for unity to be built, for relationship to be built, and for trust to be built. It's much easier to be able to speak into someone's life when there is already trust and a relationship that is established. God has entrusted the members of your team to you. Even if you don't have a team, God has entrusted your sphere of influence, the people that are around you that you do life with, he has entrusted those people to you. So it is not enough for us to just do tasks. It is not enough for us to just worry about programs. We have got to do our part in cultivating relationships with those we lead. One of the practical ways that I do this with my team is carving out 25 minutes every Sunday for the platform team, which is the band, to meet together. And it's not a lot of time, I know, but it is incredibly valuable. I know that a lot of churches, they, they meet um, in a similar way to debrief or talk about what went wrong or right during the set, but that's not what we are meeting for. Yes, those things do come up. It happened yesterday. But we are meeting so that we can build relationship with one another. We are meeting to check in, to see how we can be praying for one another. And it is amazing how much you can learn about each other in just a short amount of time. So during our chatter, we laugh, we share, we cry, and we bond. I've seen people going from never wanting to pray out loud in front of a group of people to being the first person to volunteer when it's time for us to wrap up and conclude our time together. And I am truly thankful that I get to be a part of those moments. When Dave first joined the worship team, he let me know that he played, um, that playing in a worship band was something new for him. He won't tell you this, but he is a solid professional musician who has played with some top-notch ensembles in Hawaii. He wasn't familiar with the majorities of the songs that we sing or that we play, and he definitely was not listening to contemporary Christian music that many of us hear on the radio today. The Holy Spirit revealed to me that Dave had a heart after his own. His humility dedication, and willingness to serve were a few of the attributes that God helped me see in Dave that points to the second key ingredient for intentionality in relationships, seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance. Before anyone becomes a part of the worship team, the Holy Spirit is involved. He's involved before the process, during the process, and he is still involved today. It doesn't stop. One of the areas that God has stretched me in the past seven years is seeking and trusting the Spirit's guidance in hard conversations. I used to avoid conflict like the plague. I've never been a fan of discomfort or pain. I like fun. I said that earlier. I like fun, and I mean it. I like it a lot, all the time, kind of like food, you know. What I have learned is the beauty in having hard conversations and how doing so can strengthen relationships and bring people closer together. That is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit is a part of my life. I have to seek his guidance when I need to talk, listen, or even just be still. The more I seek him, the more my desires look like his desires. The more I want to do the things that God wants me to do. Though I might have to have hard conversations with friends, team members, or anyone for that matter, 
I seek and trust the Holy Spirit to open up my ears and open my heart to speak truth and love and grace. What has happened over time? Those hard conversations aren't so hard anymore. Whether you're a parent raising a child, navigating a conflict with a friend, or equipping somebody for ministry, it's important to remember to trust the process. That's the final key ingredient that I'll share today. You may often hear that ministry is hard. Well, ministry is hard. It is hard because of the people. (laughs) It'd be a lot easier if it weren't for the people, right? You know. Conflict is a part of everyday life. We all come with our personalities, our quirks, our weaknesses, our broken belief systems. I've got them. Anybody else? (laughs) And that can get messy, real messy. Inside the church and outside the church, we're all going to mess up. We might say the wrong thing. We might even play a wrong note. But they're all opportunities for growth. When we trust the process, we trust that God is going to do his part. And those mistakes and bumps along the way aren't as critical as they once were. Because we know that they are opportunities for improvement and opportunities for growth. If you're like me, you can recall a time or two when you were doing life with someone and it seemed like they were never going to get it, like whatever it may be. So it could have been a child learning how to swim or learning to ride a bike, or it could be the math of 2023. Are there any parents in the room that have tried to sit down and do homework with their kids in this room? Like, good for you, because I don't anymore. It is very difficult to do. It's just not the same. But just like math or riding a bike, Brandon mentioned it earlier, it takes reps. It takes time. It takes practice. Growth takes time. And that is why we have to trust the process. It would have been really easy for me to tell Dave that he wasn't a good fit for the team because he didn't know any of the music. He wasn't familiar with it. Or even to just let him play to fill a space or a need that we have. Right? How often do we do that? But I knew that God had more in store for him as a part of our team. I knew that God had more in store for him as a part of our church, as a part of his church. The more Dave was scheduled, the more songs he learned. The more time he spent with others who have the same musical DNA as he does. And the more he cared about the people. His place on the team became less about the music and more about what he could bring to the table and he could bring to the whole. It became more others-focused. I remember the day that I got a text from Jenny. She's a volunteer and a friend of mine. And one of the male leaders had stepped down, male lead vocalists and guitar players, he had stepped down on our Thursday night region band. He had stepped down because of his work schedule. And she told me that Dave had texted her to let her know that he was willing to step up and serve more in Jamie's absence. Dave is not just a part of the worship team. He's become a friend to many, a guitar teacher who, by the way, has recently um, helped develop potential in two new student volunteers who are now serving today on the student's worship team. He also recently branched a small group. He also, just about two weeks ago, invited somebody who has not gotten plugged in in a small group for the past four years at this church who is now in his small group. 
Through time and proximity, seeking the Holy Spirit, and trusting the process, I have been able to witness and be a part of the work that God is doing in his life, which he is now passing on to others. It might sound familiar to some of you, right? Sounds a lot like the discipleship process. Living a life of intentional discipleship isn't only for our own good. It is for the benefit of the kingdom. We get to do this. We get to join God in doing his work. Brandon spoke about becoming unconscious capable. Well, being intentional and building relationships with those around you can lead to becoming unconscious capable in how we care for others physically and spiritually. The more you practice, intentionality in relationships, the easier it becomes, the more second nature it becomes. To the point that taking a meal to someone is no longer a hard, long thought. Or seeking the Holy Spirit's guidance isn't only because we're in a bind. I challenge you today to think of someone you may know who doesn't know the Lord. You might not know them very well either. If you haven't already, start praying for that person. Start praying that the Holy Spirit would show you what God is doing in their life. Start praying that the Holy Spirit would show you how you can join God in doing His work in their life. Take the first step. Invite them to coffee. Go to lunch. Share a meal together. Start the process. Trust the process. Trust that God is going to do His part because He always does. So now let's go and do ours. Thanks so much for listening to the episode today, everybody. Up next, we're going to be hearing from Chris Seidman, and he's got a very compelling episode about how to have a heart for lost people. I found it very convicting in a very good way. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Hit subscribe if you haven't already. And if you didn't realize, it is the week of Christmas. Hope that you've gotten all your shopping done and all that stuff. And I hope that you have had some time to prepare your heart and your mind to celebrate the birth of Jesus and then not get just totally overwhelmed with the shopping list or with getting things ready for holiday parties or family and all that stuff. I hope that you've slowed down, taken a breather, Focus your heart and your mind on Jesus. Let's all do that this week. Let's do it right now after we finish this episode so that we can enter this week with gratitude and with peace. God bless you. God bless you and your family. And I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day.